God, we rest our hearts in your presence where there's safety and reverence. So thank you, God, for the fullness of your presence here this morning, for speaking your words of delight over us and for calling us to yourself. And thank you that we got to lift the name of Jesus up, the name above all names. Worship you, God. We worship you. Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Okay, you want to come down here for a second? Yeah. It's just really good to be in God's presence. It feels really good to me today anyway. Um, as we sort of um, move to the next part of the service, uh, I wanted to acknowledge Clay Orander this morning. Um, it seemed appropriate to me that Clay's last song, Leading by Himself, at least as our lead worshiper, was uh, How Great Is Our God. Because to me, it's part of Clay's life message. And um, so here's my announcement. Next week uh, is Clay's actual last week. We're going to have a little reception for him after the second service. So if you'd like to sort of express to Clay, hey, thanks for helping me worship. You know, uh, want to give, send him a little note, give him a card or something. We're going to do that in the community room after the second service next week. So if you want to be a part of that, or if you can't be there, but you want to send an encouragement to him, that would be great because we want to honor him. But I just wanted to take a second uh, publicly to say thank you, Clay, for, uh, for committing yourself here these last couple of years. And specifically, here's what I've seen in Clay. When Clay came into this position, he had a lot of humility. And, and I love humility. Humility is like one of my favorites. <laughs> I think God loves it too. What I've seen in Clay is that God has used that humility and grown Clay's confidence. And um, as his confidence has grown, his joy has grown. And as his joy has grown, our experience of God has grown. And I just think it's a good picture for us of the way God moves. We humble ourselves, he gives us strength, he leads us to joy, and that has impact in the world. So I just want to thank, thank you officially for having impact in our world. Yeah. Listen to that tape. It might not be as good second service. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. So uh, make plans to be a part of that next week. That'll, that'll mean a lot to Clay, and it's uh, just a part of loving people well. Um, I want to share uh, a gift with you this morning. Um, be- actually, before the message, I hope the message will be a gift, too. But God gave me something this morning, and I thought, gee, it's probably not just for me. So as many of you know, I uh, have a habit of reading the scriptures every morning, and I do that through a lectionary that's sort of a 400-year-old list of scriptures. And I just read through those scriptures to, to, to get myself in the Word of God, and the Word speaks to me. And so this was uh, a part of the reading for this morning from the Old Testament. So because I'm not preaching it, I'm not going to give you all the context. But very briefly, this is Daniel having an interaction with a heavenly being. Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel's a little shaken because he's seen this vision. And he knows, like, this is big time. And um, so here's the scriptures, the, the one that really touched me. Starting in verse 18, Daniel 10. <coughs> says, again, one having the appearance of a man, I've got to believe that's the pre-incarnate Christ. But I'm not preaching. So that's just a thought. 
Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, listen to this. Take this one into your soul because this is for you as much as it is for me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Oh, that's a gift this morning. That's the word of God plucked out of Daniel chapter 10, applied right to my life this morning. But, you know, I am God's favorite, but so are you. And so that word is for you. Oh, man, oh, woman, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And the Lord's promise is that he'll strengthen you with his word in your calling, in your life. He loves the ones who love him, even the faint of heart. So that's a gift for you this morning. So Lord, I would ask that you would implant that truth of your perspective of us into our hearts, that we could see ourselves as greatly loved, that we could abandon fear, in the midst of it, that we might be strong and of good courage. And Lord, we open ourselves to be strengthened in any way you choose to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right. Well, in the, the time that we have remaining, um, I want to look at a, another passage from the Gospels. You'll see I'm getting the microphone which means that um, this is an audience participation message, okay? So prepare to participate. Um, there's no pressure. I'm not going to come around and, you know, ask your deepest sin or anything. Here, but I'm going to ask some questions. I had so much fun asking questions last week. I just want to ask more questions. Jesus did a lot of his preaching with questions. And so we're going to ask some questions. We're going to look at a particular parable, and then we're going to ask some questions. So just letting you know. Be ready. Um, God speaks to and through all of us. So uh, do your part. Uh, I've told you guys a lot of stories about the good old days in my life. So back when I was like three years old. Now a long time ago, Jane and I were missionaries and we worked with refugees. And these, you know, you have the glory years in your life. For me, these were like my first glory years. This was just couldn't do anything wrong. You know, walked around the corner. People said, how can I be saved? That kind of stuff. I'm serious. That's, we lived that for two and a half years. It's just God's grace on us, probably as beginners. And um, so in this uh, refugee ministry in Austria, people from uh, 40 different countries would come in. On a Sunday morning, we had a, an evangelistic meeting. We didn't tell them, hey, this is an evangelistic meeting, but that's exactly what it was. To them, it was just the oasis. That was the name of the building. It was just the place of hope. It was just a place to gather. And so Anywhere between 80 and 200 people on any given day would pile into this, uh, into this little coffee bar and we would sing some songs and you know, someone would give a message and we'd tell people about Jesus just week after week. And so we had a little songbook that we put together because these refugees spoke all sorts of different languages, but when we gathered it was in English and most of them wanted to learn English anyway. So, so here's how we started the service. Um, my friend Sean would get up and Sean would have his guitar, and he says, what songs would you like to sing today? And, you know, by the end of 
two and a half years, we knew all the songs, you know, and we were just begging for some different song, you know. But inevitably, um, if our friend Masood, he was an Iranian, was there, he would say, number 22, <laughs> which happened to be the song Create in Me a Clean Heart. I love that one. Um, uh, Masood was actually a believer, and so he was, that was a, it was a pure request for him. Inevitably then... Our friend Shaheen would raise his hand. Shaheen didn't know the Lord, as far as I know, still does not now know the Lord. He lives in Washington, D.C. I talked with him a couple of years. He's preached the gospel. I've, I've preached the gospel to people through him, and people have come to Christ through his translation, but he's never given his life to Jesus. His absolute number one favorite song, he'd do it anytime we gave the chance. What song do you want to sing? He'd say, number 56. Number 56, I have decided to follow Jesus. (laughs) Over and over and over again. I mean, I remember going to him after about a year of this, and I'm saying, Shaheen, the song, do you know what we're singing? He just loved the song, you know? He didn't know what it meant. He wasn't putting it together, what he was declaring. I've decided to follow Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. Uh during this fall series, following Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. What does it mean? And I'm going to look at it through the Gospels and through some parables, and we're going to look at it every way we can until we feel like we know what it means as the people of God in Indianapolis to follow Jesus. It's definitely more than belief to follow Jesus. It's more than a feeling. Don't start singing that song. It's more than a catchy tune on the radio. It's more than a set of rules. It's more than a decent life. To follow Jesus means at some point to make a decision, to take action, to take a risk, to abandon everything. Just read through the Gospels and see Jesus interacting with the disciples. And Jesus interacting with some of the disciple wannabes. Remember the, the rich young ruler? He said, I've done all this stuff. Jesus said, well, just this one thing, sell everything and follow me. And, and that scripture says that he went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. It's about abandon and sacrifice and risk-taking. Following Jesus probably means that some things in our hands today have to be put down. And some relationships in our lives have to be brought down to a different level of importance. It means that some of our habits need to be traded for new ones, just flat out. Every single one of us. To follow Jesus means that some of our habits need to be traded for new habits. Somebody said this to me a couple of months ago, and you know how that is, you get a phrase in your mind, I cannot remember who it is, so if you're here, I'll give you credit. I just can't remember. I thought maybe, oh, Marco says it was him. Actually, it was him. You read ahead in the notes, didn't you? Thank you, Marco. We're a prophetic crowd. Marco and I were getting together on a Saturday morning, and he gave me this quote. He said this. It came to to him like this. Slow down. We don't have much time. And uh, boy, it rocked me. You had a part of that too, Doug. (laughs) It rocked me. And and it it hit me again uh, this week thinking about this message, you know, slow down, we don't have much time. What that says to me is, this is an important journey that we're on following Jesus. 
This is crucial journey. This is not whimsical. And, and we probably would do well to slow down, whatever that means for you, your mind, your life, your heart, slow down. Not to say, God, I'm putting you off, but to stand in the place before God and say, God, what is primary in my life? Like, what's it all about? What's the big ticket? What's the big thing? We can all say the kingdom is the big thing. We're going to talk about that today. But that translate different, translates differently for each one of us. We are not robots following Jesus. We are individuals encountered by God and following Jesus. Not automatons, but individuals. So let's slow down because there isn't much time. And let's take time to be, to be present in this moment. In this moment where Jesus is here, this is a holy moment. So I want to read just three verses today from Matthew chapter 13. I've got it. If you have a handout, you see it in front of you. You want to pull your Bible out, you can do that. It'll be up on the screen. You know, in 10 years, I'll be able to shine out in the inside of your brain somehow. But for now, I'm just using what I got. From uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. So just a little bit of uh, context here. Jesus is giving a lot of parables. When he talks about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, scholars love to fight about this. Most agree in the end, essentially, it's the same thing. Don't make a big deal about kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. There might be some nuance. Jesus used them seemingly uh, interchangeably. So he's talking about the rule and the reign of God on earth. The kingdom of heaven come down. The kingdom of God, what he does on earth in our lives. The point of the parables is to communicate more clearly to those whose hearts are inclined towards Jesus. Jesus told us this in a previous chapter, or previously in this chapter. He spoke to them in parables because those who were inclined to believe, he wanted to know more. And those who were inclined to stiff-arm Jesus, he wanted to shroud the truth from them. Why? I really don't know. So I won't claim that I do. Jesus was a strange evangelist. He had strange ways of asking people to give their lives for him. So he gives this parable, and the parable is meant to um, communicate some truth. And this is it. The word of God from Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Already, Jesus is blowing the minds of his disciples with this parable, because the Jews of the time would never have thought of the kingdom of God as something to be bought or sold or found or necessarily even tangibly seen, other than just, you know, the consummation of history when the Messiah comes. So immediately here, Jesus is blowing up the disciples' preconceptions of what the kingdom is. Because I think Jesus takes joyful pleasure in blowing up our preconceived notions of him. (laughs) Right? So that's my first question for this morning. How has or how is Jesus blowing up your preconceived notion of him right now. I'm not asking you for a 20-minute speech, 30-second snippet. 
What's Jesus doing out there in our midst to blow up preconceived notions of the kingdom of God, of what he's doing? So, anybody. Okay, Beth, I hear you. He vanished. He vanished? He vanished. What do you mean? He disappeared. He, he, he's all, all around us now, looking over us just as, as a respect to what he has seen. Has the people ever really reached out and listened to what God has ever asked them to do when they were born and lived their lives in the first place? So Jesus was present with us. And then he went away, but he's still present with us. That's what I'm saying you said. Okay. <laughs> Who else? It's going to be fun if we talk. Otherwise, it's not going to be as fun. You make me look bad if Jesus is not blowing up anybody's preconceived notions. Uh, so our firstborn is a little redhead. You may see him running around full of joy. And in my head, it's like, that's what Jesus loves, is somebody that is just woo, blatantly full of joy. Our secondborn, equally precious, <laughs> is quite the opposite of Big Brother. Um, still full of joy, but shows it very differently. So it's been a, really cool for me to see how Jesus loves. We're all his favorites, like Randy said. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're full of joy all the time or crying <laughs> and unhappy. He loves us all just That's good. the same. <laughs> good. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Okay. Good. Anybody else? This is fun. Josh. Probably the biggest one is that I have to work hard, long, and fast to be accepted by him and have his approval. Mm. He's just shredding that in my life right now. Mm. Yeah, great. I think what I hear Josh saying is he thought he had to work long, hard, and fast to get the approval of God. And the truth is coming. The approval's already been given. We work from it, not for it. That's what I heard you say. It's great. Thanks. Okay, we're getting how this works. Didn't the feel of this? This is fun. Okay. <clears throat> so I want you to think about that this week. I want you to think, what, what preconceived notion is of Jesus is he blowing up in your life right now? And join him in it. Let him do it. You know, I've gotten a couple of texts from Josh this last week. It's, it, there's a joyful abandon in his life right now because God's doing a great thing. Let him do it. If God's behind it, agree with it. So Jesus says that the kingdom of God is a treasure. The, the point here is not that the kingdom of God can be bought. That's not the point. The point is the kingdom of God is valuable. And if you were to give everything you have for it and have only the kingdom, it would be a good deal. If you were to give everything that you have, own, are, encompass, realize, and get the kingdom... It would be a good deal. <clears throat> Still, the kingdom's not just a good buy or an interesting investment or a diversifying element of life, right? And, and most of us at some point have lived our Christian lives as, well, I do my life, but I add a little Jesus on the side because it, you know, keeps me diversified. <laughs> Jesus is not saying the kingdom is a good buy, a nice knickknack. It's, you know, good to have on your resume. 
In fact, it's probably not. In many cases, look through history. The kingdom of God, first and foremost, in your life, number one, probably not a good uh, career builder. In this world. That's why he says the kingdom of God, eternal, forever, is a treasure. It's the treasure. It's above all treasures. So my next question is, for you, how is it that the kingdom of God is a treasure? What are you realizing about the rule and the reign of God that in your life is valuable, is a treasure? What are you experiencing? What are you hearing from God? What are you walking out in your life? It's a reason to live, and it's hope. Yeah. Hope. Hope. You haven't found hope somewhere else, maybe. I, this world is scary. Yeah, it's good. Danny says this, the world is scary, and the treasure of the kingdom is there's hope in it. You, you, you don't turn on the news to look for hope. You look into heaven. Good. Who else? How is the kingdom of God a treasure? How, what's the value of it in your life? I was thinking the last question, um, just going from religion to relationship. Mm. And in relationship, the value is I'm getting to know God. Yeah. It's just, it's endless to know him and to know how he feels about me. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of the sort of the, the standard answer. We get to know God, but when you realize what it means that we are getting to know the creator of all things. It's incredibly valuable. Jim. Oh, right. A teacher. If he can handle sixth graders, he can handle us. Um, just when you think of a treasure, I, I usually think of something where you have to go to a certain place to be with that treasure. But what he's showing me, and it's becoming more and more valuable every day, it seems like, is that he puts the treasure in us, and we take it wherever we go. Yeah. And the promise in Scripture of I will go with you yeah. is becoming more and more. That is great. That is great. I will go with you. I texted with Keith Gilbert this morning, asked him to pray for me. He prayed for me. I said at the end of my text, the Lord is near. And Keith, always loving but always truth-loving, says, um, no, Randy, the Lord is here. <laughs> and it was good. I mean, I think that's what Jim's saying. It, it's you don't have to go find Jesus. He's given you the treasure within. It's great. Another thing that Jesus points out is that the kingdom of God is often hidden and there's a seeking element to it. Peter, did I miss you? Okay. I'm sorry. I looked late. But anyway, uh, I don't need the mic either. Okay. Thanks. Um, it's worth more than anything we can get on this earth. Anything. Everything we work for all our lives. Nothing. Nothing. It's not nothing. It's yeah. going to disappear. Yeah. One day it will be gone. Yeah. But the kingdom of heaven is forever. Yeah. For, for eternity. For a multi-million lifetime. Right. So how can you compare yeah. to anything? Very tough to compare the deal of eternal, right? That's a pretty serious guarantee. Thank you. So Jesus says the, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. He tells this parable to the disciples basically to counteract their present view of the kingdom. They, they think it's going to come and be so visible, you won't have to look for it. It'll just be so obvious. 
And they're assuming that everyone would be after this kingdom because this kingdom is so valuable. And that's why they're confused. Like Jesus is the Messiah, but not like any Messiah we've ever heard about before. I mean, it's so upside down and backwards. You know, die to live? What the heck is that all about? And so uh, the disciples were expecting that the, the kingdom would be obviously eval- valuable to everyone. And then Jesus gives this parable. The kingdom's like a treasure hidden in a field. A man comes upon it while he's digging. He sells everything in order to buy it. Jesus is saying this kingdom will be hidden to some. You ever go off to a conference or maybe you have a great time in church or you have a great, great time in your home group or an awesome quiet time and you're just so full of God's presence the kingdom is like palpable around you. And then you walk into your workplace and you say, I lost it. Why can't these people see how valuable the kingdom is? Because Jesus said, you know, the kingdom is a hidden kingdom for some. It's not necessarily obvious to all. So I would like to hear from you, how is the kingdom hidden? Maybe how have you seen it to be hidden in your life? maybe before Jesus, and what does it look like to seek the kingdom? We could do this for many, many days. But there's a couple of you here who are being prompted as I speak. What does it look like, or did it look like, for the kingdom to be hidden from you in your life? And what does it look like, or what did it look like to seek it? I love courageous people. Shaking, so I, I guess I'll put this. Yeah, up. <laughs> the courage means you shaking, but you stood up. Yeah. Um, well, I, as a person that struggled with anxiety and caring a lot about what people think, I, I feel like for a while I've had all this noise in my head, just like crazy amounts of noise that I can't quiet and I can't hear him. So I feel like the whole slow, slow down, there's not much time, is really real for me. Like he's calling me to fight for peace, not like strive, but um, to lay certain things down that are loud, like Facebook, maybe. <laughs> not that there's <laughs> she anything, said it, not me. Not that there's something wrong with Facebook, but for me, it's like he was saying, just uh, quiet the voices and uh, don't have the need for your kids to do every activity and for, you know, all the things that look so good to the world, that it's okay to slow down and make room. And yeah. so as I've been laying some of those things down there is so much more peace that i can just feel them and so i feel free from that stuff so that's great amy (laughs) thank you so much that's awesome yes hello everyone (laughs) um in my life my wife's father is just this great, wise, sage of a man who honestly is mostly interested in having a good meal and sitting down and having a beer in the yard. You know, he's just like, that's kind of what he's all... And and he's so peaceful, and he's taught me... What he does is sit down and just say, isn't this great? He does that every time we get together. Once the food's out and everything, and we set up the lawn chairs or whatever, this is, and he does that every time, and it's like he just notices, he just wants to see the kids playing and just 
And it's like it happens in an instant where you realize, gosh, we're, we're so rich, you know, and our children are so beautiful and healthy, and isn't the weather awesome? And this is the things that this guy talks about all the time. The weather's always great. Isn't this great? <laughs> you know, and he just, uh, and then you like suddenly realize, and that's kind of how God is. Um, you just, it's just this little switch that goes off in your mind, and you realize that, wow, you know. I suddenly have peace, and my life feels awesome. And so, uh, yeah, well, anyway, so the question is, how is it, what does it look like to see it? I think it's slowing down again. It's slowing down, and this guy's king of slowing down. <laughs> and then you, like, notice, like, how awesome everything is. It's just something that God has done in my life through Harry. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks, Eddie. So interesting, one of the things I heard there in sort of a combination was that um, to seek the kingdom is not so much about passion. It's not so much about forcefulness or speed. It's much more about um, attentiveness and consistency. To, to seek the kingdom is, is not just the big worship event, which I love and is great. It's not just the mountaintop experience, which again, I love and is great. It's walking with Jesus through every part of the terrain. And, and um, in the long term, consistency beats intensity for the long term. Debbie? Um, in the past, my, my kids play soccer, and I'd hear people yell out on the field, like, you got to want it. And I just thought, you know, that's kind of, you know kids playing soccer but I realized you know we can all be on the field and they're just not intent and what God's really been teaching me is you know you've got to want it it can be it can be hidden just because I'm not taking time it's not hidden very hard I just have to stop and turn so God's just even just in just recently just praying for breakthrough like seeing in different people's lives we need breakthrough and I just God just reminded me you know there are times like you need to pray and fast for this like how much do you want it so how much do you want to know him? How much do you want to see breakthrough? Um, so that's really, for me, just being intentional and slowing down and stopping and just to listen. It's only hidden because I'm not stopping to listen. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Beth, one more? It's just to dovetail off that, Deb. Um, I was at a prayer meeting last night, and it made me think of what the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And incidentally, that was one of the first parables that my mother told us. Mm. And we made like a, one of my brothers made a, a, um, not a poster, a hanging, a wall hanging. That's always been in my mind. But um, when we press in, when we're intentional it, through life, God has revelation for us that is hidden unless we're pressing in to him. And so... Um, he gives revelation in prayer, and he helps us assist others as we stay intentional and stay focused and keep it um, as a significant part of our life. Yeah. Okay, great, thank you. It's, um, so we'll just do a little bit of the, the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Um, you know what it's like when you, you've lost your keys or your wallet or whatever thing that at that point you really feel like you need and you search all over the place and you can't find it and finally you say, oh, heck with it. Then the next time you lose something else, you're looking for it, you find the thing you couldn't find before. That happens to you, right? Not just me, not some strange quirk. Okay. I, I think that sometimes the kingdom is like that. I mean, 
we've got to pursue, we've got to seek. I mean, we have a part in this. God gives in his own timing. So there is always this tension of we seek and we go after, and sometimes the kingdom is hidden. And then sometimes when we least expect it, there's the kingdom right in front of us. So um, I want to hold in beautiful tension this slow down, it's God's work, open your eyes, and this let's go after it. If you tend towards the slow down, go after it. If you tend towards the go after it, slow down. There, there's your message for the day. Jesus goes on. He says, the kingdom of God is worth more than all you have. It's like a treasure in a field. And when the man found this treasure, you know, can you picture him? He's looking around like nobody sees this. This is, this is the big one here. And he goes off. He sells everything he has. He sells all his possessions. I mean, think about that one thing that was most important to that man. There must have been something. He's looking at it and he's saying, this is, this is useless compared to what's in that field. And he sells it. I mean, just in his joy. And he goes and gets the field. The one pearl in the, in the, in the next uh, parable that, that, that's value eclipses all the others. The treasure that far outweighs all the others. But it's interesting, what's the attitude of the man in the field? What's the attitude? You would think, for us, you know, we see, oh man, that's a big deal. That's a big thing. I I really want to get that, but oh, I'd have to give away, you know. Sometimes I think we, we preach or we even live the tension, like, will you give it all up for Jesus? There's a part of that. Will you sacrifice? There's a part of that. Jesus is making a big, huge point He's lifting our eyes above what we see and know and experience. And he's saying the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, this society of people together obeying the words of Jesus so that this world becomes the way that Jesus would lead it. In us walking it out, this kingdom of God is of eternal value and everything else is inconsequential. One of my very favorite uh, books when I was in college through Gates of Splendor, it's the journal of Jim Elliott, who was a missionary to the Aka Indians, South America in the 50s. And, uh, you know, I was really into martyrs at that point because it just seemed like a cool way to go. <laughs> a little strange, I know, but um, <laughs> it's, it's the passion, it's the intensity, it's the all-out abandon. And Jim Elliot's famous quote is, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who would give the thing, the life, the possessions, the status, the whatever, that he can't keep anyway. It's going to go away. Death comes to everyone. To gain that heaven, eternity, oneness with the king that he can never lose. I mean, basically what Jim Elliott was doing is paraphrasing. If you give everything and all, and to get the kingdom and the kingdom is all you have, it's worth it. And so the parable says, in his joy, he ran. It doesn't say, and he felt obligated, so he went. Or it seemed like the right idea at the time, so he went. Or he was so afraid that he'd lose his chance, he, he went. It's, I mean, just get the picture, you know, in his joy, like giddy, 
Maybe he's 40 years old, but all of a sudden he's a six-year-old like, I got the kingdom here. I got the, I got the whole deal. And it's worth everything. Now, this is the part of the message where the Holy Spirit does the application. Because I cannot tell you what seeking the kingdom like that looks like in your life. I can't tell you what following Jesus means for you. The Holy Spirit can speak to you. He'll tell you what needs to be let go of. He'll tell you what idol needs to be put down. He'll, he'll speak to you which relationship has set itself above your intimacy with him. Jesus can do all of that. Seeking the kingdom, giving all to get the kingdom, living in the kingdom realm of Jesus means reorienting our lives around radical abandonment. That's what the guy did. He sees it, and all of a sudden, everything in his life changes because he's got the kingdom. Let me tell some of you, you're not convinced. You're not convinced. You're doing the math, and it's not working out. And I'm here to tell you, the math may never work out before faith. I mean, this is a, this is a point of faith. You look at Jesus. Remember, we talked last week, who is Jesus? It's a point where you say, okay, I, I don't get it all. It doesn't all make sense. It may not make sense to all my friends, but this, this following Jesus, this, this has to be everything. This has to take everything. For some of the, us, that means a ramp up. For some of us, it means a sell-off. For some of us, it means a buy-in. For all of us, it means a step to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Let's stand while we're praying. God, we're standing on the feet and the legs, the bodies that you gave us. And these things will go away, but the kingdom is eternal. And yet here you are, Lord, and you've said, I'm pleased to give you the kingdom. Holy Spirit, come and do the work in our hearts and, and reorder our minds and, and pour out on us, would you please, God, the grace and the faith and the courage and the humility to see the kingdom as central, to, to set it up and to orient our lives around joyful, radical abandonment. In the midst of that, Jesus, we're saying we trust you. You are who you said you are. You are the lamb. You have overcome. And so, Lord, we ask that you would make us those overcomers that seek the kingdom like the pearl of great price. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.